these houses watching the football and we were singing it's coming home and then it didn't come home and so when we were walking home we started singing we're going home and uh, so hopefully it'll come home at the next world cup or the next euros but uh, regardless of what has happened to football we want to know that god is good and uh, today if you're here today i do believe that god will will touch you in a special way okay um, i want to share some thoughts from the bible with you today and uh, and then we are going to um, like i said call the service to an end earlier than usual and uh, we will then again have another stretch break where we can just get ready children from upstairs will be meeting us and um, and then we will start our baptism service um, so heroes is uh, um, is the is the is the theme of 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 july for for us here at beacon church and what we've been doing is we have been uh, looking at how various people in not just in the bible but in real life in in christian history in human history we they have done extraordinary things to live for jesus and live a life that is surrendered and yielded to god now um if you are a follower of jesus christ probably your friends think you're crazy your friends think you're mad your friends think why why would you of all the things why, why would you want to spend a sunday morning doing this with people that uh, look strange they seem to be singing to songs that's got nothing to do with football they seem to be lifting their hands they seem to be excited about a person that you can't see and uh, that's what happens when our hearts are captivated and captured by something and you can see that in sporting events uh, throughout our country whenever uh, people are excited and passionate about something uh, they wa- they want to uh, express their passion by doing whatever it takes to show their love now a disciple of jesus christ uh, often is in a place where they're saying wow i didn't even believe this thing called jesus i didn't believe the bible i didn't really believe in the church but i have now come to realize that this has taken over my life this is really uh, important to me this is really really central to my life and so i'm going to give the rest of my life living for this serving jesus and putting jesus first and you know when it starts off like that you're thinking well what what is the point of this life but throughout human history you find people doing extraordinary acts of surrender and sacrifice to put jesus first and in week 1 in july we lived at a person called jim elliot who was a missionary to south america we looked in week 2 at a lady called cory ten boom who demonstrated the extraordinary power of forgiveness and uh, today i want to talk about a hero that made somebody else a hero okay so we we have this character in the bible his name is peter he was one of the followers or disciples of jesus he wrote quite a few bits in the bible he went on to plant churches pastor churches lead churches give oversight to multiple churches he is what in the bible refers to an apostle somebody who has oversight over many many churches and he was not always a person who was heroic in his faith for Jesus many times he 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 did things that he shouldn't have done many times he gave up on his faith 
Many times he didn't really um, follow through on his inner convictions. He was one of those people who was really passionate, really hot-headed. They would jump before they speak, and they would speak before they think. Have you ever met those people? Well, Peter was one of those. He, he was just one of those characters that ended up making a lot of mistakes. I mean, one time he was, uh, he was in a conversation with a few people, and uh, a few people had come to arrest Jesus. Jesus was his master. So Peter immediately jumped out, took his own sword, and cut somebody's ear off. Yeah, this guy went on to lead a church. And he, he was one of those characters who just was just, you just did not know what to expect with him because it was just, he was very, very unpredictable. But his, his life had a turnaround after he had one of the lowest moments of his life, his lowest moment in his entire life was that uh, one day Jesus came to him and said, Peter, I've got, I've got a word for you. I've got to, I've got to tell you something. Um, he said, what's it? What is it? Uh, Peter, uh, Jesus goes, listen, today, before the rooster crows three times, before the rooster crows three times, um, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, me? Never. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick with you. I mean, you, you can count on me. You, you, I mean, you know, he said, he, here's the deal, Jesus. I'm ready to even die with you, uh, let alone deny you. And, and so uh, he, he, he showed off his bravado, his bravery, and his, his, his incredible courage in following Jesus. He said, me, never. All these, all these fellows here, they might do that. Me, I will never deny Jesus I'm, I'm ready to die with you. If that's what it takes, I'm going to die with you. And, uh, and so that's what he said. So after a while, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus because Jesus was in trouble. They wanted to kill him. And uh, all of a sudden, the rubber hit the road. He was under pressure. And, uh, and he was kind of like, uh-oh, Jesus is now arrested. Um, I made the statement that I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to die with him. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be with him. And so what he did was he kind of just... Um, uh, he just kind of kind of wanted to go incognito so that nobody recognized him. So it was the middle of the night. He sat around a campfire. And one of the people sitting around the campfire recognized him. And he said, hey, you're Peter. I know you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And Peter goes, who, me? Jesus? I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. I've never met the man. I don't know who. You've got the wrong guy. I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. Happens again. Somebody else recognizes him. Hey, you're Peter. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I know you. You, you. you follow Jesus. And Peter goes, who, me? Nah, you've got the wrong person. I don't follow Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. You've got the wrong person. Happened the third time. Somebody else came and said, hey, you're Peter. I know you. You're a follower of Jesus. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says... That Peter swore. Thankfully, we don't know what language he used while he was swearing. But the Bible actually says he swore. He said, I don't know what he said. But he swore. <laughs> he said, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. He is, he's got nothing to do with me. And, and just as he was doing that, just as he was doing that, the Bible says... The rooster crowed. The rooster crowed. Now think about that. As the rooster crowed, Peter was reminded about the words that Jesus gave. 
and said, before the rooster crows, you would have denied me three times. Think about it. If you were a rooster, would that be a good job to be given to you? Because all you got to do is every day wake up in the morning and do what you do. Summer, where's Summer? Is Summer here? Is Summer upstairs? Summer upstairs. I was going to ask Summer if she had a pet rooster, what she'd call it. What do you reckon she'd call it? Because this rooster doesn't have a name. Summer is amazing. Summer has got the most energy in little body I've ever seen. So I'm sure she would have had an answer. This rooster, all this rooster's got to do is just get up and crow. Now imagine if God gave you that job. Hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got, I've got, a, I've got an assignment for you. And you'd be like, wow, sign me up. Well, get up in the morning when nobody's watching and nobody's looking and nobody's there to give you an applause. You got to just crow. And you do it the next day. And you do it the next day. And you do it the next day. And you would, would you do it? I've seen so many people who are believers in Jesus Christ. After a while, their faith begins to waver. They begin to complain about the world. They begin to complain about the church because they have not realized that discipleship is about denying yourself. It's about putting yourself second. And lots of people are excited when jobs are given to them that's in the limelight. Everybody's applauding and everybody's making a big deal out of you. Your life is exciting. What would it look like if God came to you today and say, I've got a job for you. Get up at five o'clock when nobody's watching, nobody's applauding, nobody's looking at you. And at five o'clock, I want you to pray for five people every day. And what do I do on Monday? Do the same thing. And Tuesday, do the same thing. And Wednesday, do the same thing. And Thursday, how about a year from now, the same thing? Would you be excited? Would you go, yes, I'm glad I've got the purpose of God in my life. Or would you go, man, I've got to be doing something exciting with my life rather than getting up at five every morning and praying for people I don't even know. You see, often disciples of Jesus don't follow through with discipleship because they come to a place of excitement and they want to pick and choose what God does with their life. But the beauty of the cross is that Jesus, even though he was equal with God, the Bible says, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of a slave and he died on the cross. And because of that, Jesus gave him the name above every other name. You see, the greatest act of surrender you can do for Jesus is to turn up and to turn up and to turn up when nobody's watching, turn up. When nobody's applauding, turn up. When nobody is doing anything, turn up. When people are criticizing you, turn up. When you say, I'm going to give up on my faith, turn up. When you've given and you say, What's the reward of this? Turn up. Because a disciple of Jesus. Jesus does not live for the applause of you and you and you. We know that we've been already applauded by the King of Heaven. He is delighted in you. And because of Jesus Christ, you're not earning and yearning for the applause of God. You already have the applause of the Father. And the Father says you are well, He is well pleased in you. There are only two kinds of people in the world. Two kinds of Christians in the world. The one kind who are hoping that one day God will tell them, well done, good 
and faithful servant. I'm, I'm going to get the applause of God one day. That, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to get God's applause one day. Or there's the other kind who are already convinced that God has already applauded them. God has so looked at them and said, this is my son. In him, I'm well pleased. You see, your, your prototype and your example is not a servant. Your prototype and your example is not a servant. Your prototype and your example is Jesus. Jesus did not live for the applause of the Father. He already had the applause of the Father before he began. Before he healed the sick, before he preached a message, before he died on the cross, before he called his disciples, before he made water into wine. The heavens opened at the waters of baptism and the Father spoke and said, This is my Son. In Him I'm well pleased. Well pleased for what? What did He do? He's just well pleased because He's His Son. And I want to say to you, if you are here today and if you've been striving all your life and you say something is missing in from my life, I will be happy when I get a better job. I'll be happy when my boss smiles at me. I'll be happy when my wife finally behaves herself. I'll be happy finally when my husband does the dishes. I'll be happy finally when my children are not crazy. I'll be happy finally when I'm married. You will never be happy. God is pleased with you. Jesus died in your place. He was buried and he's risen again. Live out of the applause knowing that God is already pleased with you. That's what happened at baptism. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and the father spoke and said, this is my son. In him, I'm well pleased. Well pleased for what? What did he do? What did he achieve? He hadn't preached. He hadn't healed. He hadn't called his disciples. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't done anything he was supposed to do. And yet the father was pleased with him. And you see, only people who know that the father is pleased with him can be given an assignment to wake up in the morning at five o'clock as a rooster and crow every single day. After a few days, you'll be like, what's the point of this? There's nobody watching me. Nobody is making a difference. Nobody is doing anything anything to me that's really going to approve of me or even affirm that I'm making a difference. But I want to say to you, there are people in this room today, you've been following Jesus Christ and you have been consistently like that rooster getting up in the morning and giving and praying for your children. And some of you have been praying for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Nobody has watched you. Nobody has applauded you. Nobody has said, well done. But I want to say to you, a disciple of Jesus Christ is bold enough, courageous enough, powerful enough to stand up every day and do the same thing over and over again, rather than quit and say, no, 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 that job's not for me. Give me something exciting to do with my life. A disciple of Jesus is this. The Bible says, if anybody wants to be my disciple, let him or her deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. In week one, we looked at a hero called Jim Elliott. He doesn't have any Instagram followers. He's dead. Not many people know him. He will not make the front cover of the newspaper like Harry Kane or Raheem Sterling. But I tell you, he's a hero because he decided to give up his life for Jesus. We looked at Corey Temboom in week three. I want to look at a hero today that, uh, that's not historical, that's actually with us here this morning in our building. You see, we've just come through, I don't know, how many months is it? Is it 16 months of COVID? 18 months? What is it? It's March 2020, wasn't it? Something like that. We've come through um, maybe 15 months of COVID. 
And during COVID-19, you would have seen that the human spirit in the country really came to the forefront. And many people came and did whatever they could to help their neighbors, to help their friends. And many people here at Beacon Church also did whatever they could to help people and to help their neighbors and help their friends. As we went into COVID-19 in March 2020, one of the things we did as a church is that we identified, as per NHS advice, what they classified as the most vulnerable. We had heard of this virus. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know what it did. We didn't know what the effects of the virus were. When we sought medical advice as a church on how to support and help our community, they said to us, if you've got somebody who is the el- who's, elderly, who's elderly, somebody who's got pre-existing medical conditions, and somebody who has already got asthmatic problems, all those things that they gave us, they said, these guys are under, 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 under particular risk. These are the extremely vulnerable. And if you as a church want to care for people, you've got to put these people right at the top of the list. So we got together as a team and we identified some people in our church who would perhaps be the most vulnerable in our church. And we made sure that we called them, we visited them, we provided for them, we dropped off meals for them. We did whatever we could to help them and to support them during that time. I did not have personally time to visit all the people in the church, and I I hardly do that because we have a huge team that helps us do that. But I thought it was interesting and important for me to visit the houses of what the NHS classified the most vulnerable in uh, in our midst. And so I remember going over to uh, the house of a lady called Pat Gent during that time. She's not here today because um, on Sunday mornings she can't drive. She's quite elderly. She has lots of pre-existing medical conditions. And on Sunday mornings nowadays, the diabetic nurse comes for her. And so for for a season, she's not been able to come to our Sunday gatherings. I remember going to her house and the house of another lady called Gwen Miller during COVID. And Gwen is not with us today. She is in heaven. She has passed on. Nothing COVID related. She also had pre-existing medical conditions. So I remember asking Pat and I remember asking Gwen, how's life? What's what's life like in in COVID-19? What's church like? What, What do you do? And uh, as you know, during COVID-19, lots of people uh, had to adjust all over the world. Churches had to adjust when we went into online churches. Now, both Gwen and Pat, neither of them have a computer. Neither of them have internet access. And they are not able to tune in to online church. So I said, what's it like for you? Because it's hard being disconnected from everybody. It's hard having all these curfew and restrictions and social distancing masks. We don't know what this virus does, what it, you know, is. Do you remember that time people were panic buying? Are we going to run out of toilet roll? No? We, yes, those days when we're thinking, man, the, the world is going to end. I remember thinking, man, what, what, what is it like? What is church like for Pat? And what is church like for Gwen? And I remember thinking, wonder what church is like and and both of them you know we're socially distancing and standing in a garden and said to me hey um i really enjoyed your sermon on sunday i said well how 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 did you listen to what we were saying at church you don't have a computer you don't have internet access Um, he said oh every sunday without fail we get a phone call in ian ian can you stand up or just wait for us ian ian's there we get a phone call from ian Ian um, goes on the YouTube channel, plays your sermon, puts the landline next to his computer, and we pick up the landline at our end, 
and we hear the word of God being preached after it's being preached. I said every single Sunday, he said every single Sunday we've listened to the word of God. I'll tell you what, that's a rooster crowing. Give it up for Ian. You're a hero. Nobody told you to do that. We weren't expecting you to do that. I didn't know you were doing that. But that's what a disciple does. That's what a disciple does. A disciple does not do it for the applause of people. If I hadn't told you this, nobody here would have known that story. Ian didn't even know that I knew that. Gwen told me that. Pat told me that. I said, how is it going now? And, and, uh, and Pat is now in a place where she can't lift up, um, lift up the, uh, the receiver to her landline because her, her joints are paining. And we're hoping that we'll give her uh, one of those speaker phones where she doesn't have to hold on to a landline. She can just press the but- button. Ian's, uh, Ian's quite, got quite a lot on, her plate, on his plate now. So it hasn't happened in the last couple of months because she's not able to pick up her receiver. But can you imagine what it means for 14 months month, week in, week out, to sit through a sermon you've already listened to, but to press the YouTube button, press play, put the phone there so that Pat can hear it. And now you've heard the sermon twice, and then now you've got to make sure that Gwen hears it, so you play the sermon again, put it on your landline so they hear it again. I'll tell you what, Ian doesn't have an Instagram account. He doesn't have followers. He's not going to make the newspaper tomorrow. But I'll tell you what, he is a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is a hero. There are some people who are living for the applause of just one person because they know that Jesus has loved them, has given everything over for them. And I want to tell you, I am proud of this church because this church is full of heroes, disciples of Jesus Christ who day in, day out, week in, week out, give whatever it is they can, not to think, oh man, look at my life. I lack this I like that I'm missing this they didn't smile at me they didn't visit me look at all the things that I'm missing you can either live the entire rest of your life entitled and bitter or you can be like Ian and say I'm not going to count about what I'm not going to focus on what's missing but with the little I have I'm going to make sure that I bless somebody I'm kind to somebody I pray for somebody I pass the word on to somebody do you know that the most precious thing in the world is the word of God the most precious thing in the world in the Bible in the, in the world is not money the most precious thing in the world is not your houses the most precious thing in the world is not cars and your bank balance your degrees or your work the most precious thing in the bible is the word of god the bible says that the law of the lord is better than silver purified seven times over this is the most precious thing in the world of god and that rooster who knew that that rooster that morning was doing the same thing that rooster was doing every single morning maybe for a year maybe for months thinking what is the point of this? I've just been designed to wake up every single morning before the sun rises, before anybody sees me. All I have to do is get up and do cock-a-doodle-doo. And they've been doing that week in, week out, day in, day out. But one day, that cock-a-doodle-doo had significance. It made a difference. It reminded Peter of a word that Jesus had given. I wonder what could happen to your life if you saw your life as a life that is willing to be surrendered to Jesus. Not to look at the limelight, not to look at all the things that make you special, not to look at points where how can people applaud me, how can I get better in life, how can I make the front page of the newspaper, but to say, you know what, Jesus gave his life for me and I want to give my life to other people. Hey, maybe there are neighbors in your street that could do with a visit. 
Hey, maybe there are elderly in your neighborhood that could do with maybe just a meal being prepared for them. Maybe there are people in your community that are longing for just a phone call. Maybe there are friends and family in your workplace or in your family that could do with you just praying. I know that I have parents who have prayed for me without fail, day in, day out, night in, night out. I remember growing up, the first thing I would hear is the song of my mom worshipping. And that was our wake-up call. We just, had to, we just knew that if mom started worshipping, that's the call for family prayer. They prayed for me in the morning. They prayed for me in the afternoon. They prayed for me in the evening. Day in, day out, day in, day out, for years, for decades. And guess what? There's no one there to applaud them. There's no one there to congratulate them. There's no one there to say, wow, look at them. They're serving the plan of God. They're serving the purpose of God. Look at them walking in the call of God. They're just doing what roosters do. They just tow up. They just show up. They just turn up. They just do the same thing over and over and over again. And perhaps today you are challenged to be a disciple of Jesus. You've walked in here maybe disgruntled about life, lacking purpose, wondering if there is a hole in your life that will ever get filled. My friends, this thing called Christianity will not work if you are first. It will only work if Jesus is first. It will only work if Jesus is not just savior of your life, but has to be the Lord of your life. That means lordship means you are surrendering everything, surrendering control to put him first. And perhaps you're here today and you You are not a follower of Jesus Christ. And if that is you, I want to speak to you for a few moments. Jesus so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son to die in your place and my place. He was buried in your place and my place. He was risen in your place and my place. And now anybody, everybody, man, woman, boy, girl, educated, not educated, sinner, saint, whoever you are, the Bible says, if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If anybody confesses, believes in their heart that Jesus died and confesses with their mouth that he was raised from the dead, then you will be rescued from an old life, given a brand new identity to become a child of God. This is not about a change of religion. This is not about a change of Sunday morning routines. This is actually about the change of your eternal destiny and of your life. This will be the most important decision you will ever make. This is a more important decision than your retirement plan. This is more important decision than what you're going to do on holiday this year. This is a more important decision than what food you're going to eat next week because we all have time for that. We think about that and we make decisions about that. But the question I want to ask you today is, have you made a decision concerning the eternal destiny of your life? Because your eternal destiny happens and and swings and is dependent on just one decision you will make. Have you decided to consider Jesus? Jesus is not coming to say, hey, these are the list of requirements I need from you. These are the laws that I need you to obey. Obedience has to come out of love. You cannot expect people to obey before they have fallen in love. That's not how it happens. And if you've been in church before, and if you've been exposed to the list of obedience, and list of things for you to do, and if you think, man, I'll never become a Christian, because being a Christian means following a bunch of rules. My friends, you've not been introduced to Jesus. You've been introduced to religion. Religion is the existence of rules without the love 
love that goes behind the reasons why people in love do certain things. And you will always notice that certain people who are in love with each other, they will do whatever it takes for the happiness of the other person. And many times we think that being a Christian is doing all the things that are necessary in the lives of other people and say, look at how they act as a Christian. I can never do that. Therefore, I'm never going to become a Christian. That's not what Christianity is. This is the gospel. Jesus died in your place. He came to give you love and life unconditionally without any questions or regrets and says he wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a brand new future and a start. Today is a good day for you to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And as you grow in your love for Jesus, as you grow in your love for Jesus, you might find yourself doing things like getting baptized. The people who are getting baptized today are not getting baptized because a gun is being held to their head and saying, you better do this, or there's pressure from them, or there's, they're not doing this because everybody else is doing it and it's the cool thing to do. No, they have realized in their own heart that they have decided to follow Jesus, and they have decided that an inward conviction requires an external action, and they're going to publicly confess their faith in front of the church, in front of their friends, in front of their family, that they have decided to follow Jesus. But you don't have to get baptized today. But if you do not know Jesus, today would be a great day for you to make that decision to follow Jesus. Perhaps you have made a decision to follow Jesus many years ago and you have not considered Jesus since. But today would be a day to renew that commitment to say, Jesus, I'm coming back to say yes to you. Yes to Jesus. Yes to the gospel. Yes to the cross. Yes to what Jesus means for me. And I have decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ as well. If that is you... I want to give you the opportunity to put Jesus first in your life as well. For a moment of concentration and privacy, will you just close your eyes with me? I'd like to pray today as I bring this to a close. If you're here today and you say, I want to become a disciple of Jesus. I want to be like that rooster, just throw, just show up. Just show up again and again and again. And I might not really understand what it means. I might not understand how I feel. I might not understand who it benefits. But I want to just show up. I want to give up my right to be, be impressed. And I want to give up the right to live for the applause of people. I want, to, I, want to, I want to live my life where I know that I have become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I do it because God is already pleased with me. If you're here and you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you say, I want to be a disciple where I just show up. I want to keep showing up by praying. I want to keep showing up by caring. I want to keep showing up by giving. I don't want to be one of these temperamental Christians that, that do good only when I feel good. And when I feel bad, I don't show up. I want to be a disciple. I want to be that rooster that shows up day in, day out. I don't even know what difference it's making. But God has called me to do it. And I will do it day in, day out, whether the applause is there or not. I want to be like Ian. I want to do whatever it takes to pass on the word of God to somebody. I'll share the media post with somebody. I'll share the podcast with somebody. I will tell somebody about Jesus. I'll invite somebody to church. I will do whatever it takes to share this message of Jesus. If you're here today and you say, I want, I've decided to follow Jesus and I want to be a disciple, then I want to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, whoever this person is, wherever they are, as they feel in their heart that they have decided to follow Jesus, I pray, God, we will have the consistency of a rooster. That, Lord, we will just turn up when there is no applause. We will turn up when no one's watching. We will turn up in the day. We will turn up at night. 
We will not just be Christians when it suits us. We'll not just be Christians when things are going well with us. But in, when there's no limelight and the lights are switched off and nobody is watching, we pray, God, that you will give us the grace, the ability, the confidence, the courage to show up, to show up, to show up. Lord, help us to still give, help us to still pray, help us to still in, intercede, help us to still invest, help us to still keep going. We pray, God, that the spirit of consistency will be upon this church and manifest itself in Jesus' name. I also today want to pray for those who may have never given their life to Jesus. If you're here today and if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you have made a decision to follow Jesus many years ago and you know that you want to make a recommitment to Jesus, this is not about the change of a religion. This is about the change of the destiny of your life. The most important decision that you will ever make in your life. If you say, well, I want to decide today to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to rededicate my life. I want to redecide to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Then I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. And I know that this prayer will change your life and give you purpose, clarity, direction, destiny for your life. You will not regret it. It's the most important decision you've ever made. It is the decision that people who are getting baptized today have made. And you know that it is going to be a good decision for you, for your family, and for your future. If you're here today, while every high is closed for a moment of concentration and privacy, if you say, I have decided to follow Jesus, I'd like to pray a very simple prayer, but I don't know how to pray that prayer. Please include me in your prayer as you pray, so I know who I'm praying for. Would you please quickly just slip your hand up and down so I know who I'm praying for. You don't have to keep it up. Just quickly, right now, you say, I've decided to follow Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Say, this is me. I've made a decision. Thank you. Anybody else? I'll give it one more minute. Anyone else just to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. If not, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. Even if you haven't lifted your hands, you can pray, pray this prayer in your heart. Many people here who are followers of Jesus Christ will also pray this prayer after me so that you don't feel that you're the only one praying. So repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again. I give you my life and I receive yours. From today, I am a child of God. Amen. Hey, open your eyes and look at me for a minute. I believe if you've prayed that prayer with the sincerity of your heart, and you had faith in your heart, you didn't even quite understand what it was about. I believe you've made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you to not do life on your own? Connect with us via our website or grab somebody with a Beacon Church lanyard today before you leave so that we can give you resources in your hand, connect you with other members of Beacon Church so that you do life together and we can pray and help you take your next steps. And that is the best thing you can ever do with your life. Hey, we've come to the end of our first part of our church service.